the times of greatest change are the times of greatest opportunity. And that's what we have in front of us. Welcome back to another episode of All or Nothing in Real Estate. I am your host, Matt Smith, the founder of All or Nothing in Real Estate. This podcast is a movement to give back to the industry that has given so much to me and my family. Today, we have a very, very special guest, one of my good friends, one of my Cabo Wabo co-mates from, uh, from our Cabo trip in Mexico, Jim Griffin, a team leader in the Tri-Cities of Tennessee. He's led a team for many, many years, and he's going to give us his insights, um, what he knows about building a team, what he's done well. And also, he, I asked him what was important to talk about. And he said, well, what about the 743 ways not to build a team? And so I'm sure we're going to peel that onion open to tell people how we can learn from Jim's mistakes, because I know I know that I've made a lot. And it sounds like Jim maybe has too, but those have taught us our greatest lessons. So without further ado, Jim, let's dive in, my friend. Yes, sir. Let's do this. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know you're a, you're a busy man um, and uh, haven't seen uh, you and Leanne in a while. Uh, we usually meet up at some events and um, it's great to connect and, and hopefully we can share some value with the audience today. Looking forward to it. Dude, let's talk about, just tell me your story. Um, give me give me a brief rundown of who is Jim Griffin? How do you get into real estate? How has he became this amazing team leader that's on pace for 400 closings this year? It's a long story made short. Um, after graduating high school, I went to college for piano performance. Which I don't think you even knew that. I was a piano performance major, um, competed nationally and internationally in, uh, in music. But then I realized really quick that there was no uh, financial future <laughs> in that. So I uh, took a couple of sales jobs, worked for. Dude, that's crazy. I thought you were joking when you texted me that the other day. That's real? No. Yeah, no, that, that's 100%. That's, that's awesome. Next time we're at an event, you're going to have to steal the piano, man, and play us some tunes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you can talk me into it. But, you know, uh, after after that, I went into uh, sales, worked for uh, Verizon Wireless for a while, learned a lot while I was there. And, you know, I was uh, actually got promoted to the management. And I said, if I'm going to work this hard for somebody else, I'm going to work this hard building an empire with people that I love. And, uh, you know, one of my uh, family creeds pretty much is that the most precious gift in life that we have and the most precious commodity is time. And I didn't want to be spending, you know, 67 and a half hours a week working for corporate America when I could, you know, work on building a legacy in real estate, growing my own business. So I hopped into real estate in 2000, July 15th of 2007. So when I hopped in full time um, and then we know what happened after that. Great timing, my friend. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Went from a six-figure year job to a zero-figure year job pretty quick. And uh, you know, just being completely honest, I, I, I moved to Chattanooga. I learned a lot from uh, a buddy of mine, Brad, down in Chattanooga, who ran uh, multiple companies, but you know, learned a lot. And then everything that could go wrong went wrong in the downturn. So I moved back home, and I rode my sport bike and played a lot of Xbox for about four years. And then 2011 is actually when I consider my first real true year in real estate is because I found that I, I was pregnant. I wasn't pregnant, but I was pregnant with my uh, my first son, London. And I was like, okay, crap, self-employed, no health insurance, got to do something. And went from zero home sales to 60 and then 117. I said, I can't do all this by myself. I need to build a team. And then we have failed forward since then. I love it, man. I love it. And you guys are on pace this year. You closed 325 units last year. You're on pace for around 400 this year. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Um, it's uh, as a, I'm privileged as a coach in, in doing this, this podcast, I get to talk to a lot of team leaders and um, a lot of a lot of people are doing amazing things. And it's not a lot of people in, in this environment that are growing year over year. So kudos to you. That shows your leadership and um, the care you put in your people. Um, let's dive right into that. If you had to pick one thing, this is, let me start with an impossible question. If you had to pick one thing that has helped propel you from to grow in a year where literally like one, maybe 2% of real estate teams are actually growing. What is that one thing that has worked for you guys? You know, honestly, I would say it's, it's the, the willingness to be open enough to fail. And, you know, especially when, you know, right now there's a lot of people in real estate that are freaking out that, you know, leads are down and conversions a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, there's a lot of people exiting the business and, you know, being willing to say, all right, I know that there's things that are going to go on. I can't control those things that I can't control how I respond to it and the ownership that I take of it. I'm not going to let those things define me. So, you know, being just open enough and, you know, it's like I heard you say on one of your podcasts, uh, one of your episodes previously that, 
you know, the first person to admit that they're not right is usually a person that ends up learning the most. You know, and that really stuck with because if we're always right saying that we know everything, we're never going to learn. But going into these waters, which luckily for me, you know, talking a little bit about my past, I built my business really during the downturn. Sure. And our marketplace, you know, it was pretty much non-existent. And but when I first started in you know, 2011, actually working my business, we had a 20% unemployment rate. Over 50% of every sale was a foreclosure. So you had to hustle and grind it. There was no other option. But I always told myself, any business that you, any business ground that you gained during a down market, you keep it for life. Right. So it, I'm excited about the, the shift in the marketplace and, you know, and the changes coming in the industry. It excites me because it means that there's more opportunity for all of us. Dude, I love that perspective. I'm writing that down. Any business you gain in a market, in a down market, you get to keep for a lifetime. That's huge. Um, so I always look at, we look at things pretty similar. Um, it's crazy. Like high performers just look at things in a similar light, it seems, right? And so we everyone sees change. They see downturn. They see problems. They see obstacles. I don't see any of those. Mm. I see opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, I'm right? like, bring it on. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm not, not nervous about it because like, you know, like we said, we can't control those things that are out there, you know, external factors. But we know because we've been through these things, we failed before, you know, we've lost, you know, we've lost battles, but we didn't lose the war, you know, and it's like, okay, what can we learn from this? We've been through some of this before we've learned from it. Now let's just embrace it and, you know, run with it. Let's run. That's right. It's, it's the times of greatest change are the times of greatest opportunity. And that's what we have in front of us. And I yep. think um, that mindset that go all in mentality is why you guys are up year over year, right? Like that's, that, that is why. And I'm sure that your agents, your team, has followed your lead on that. Um, there's a common theme in a couple of teams that I've, I was fortunate a couple weekends ago, I was in John Cheplak's living room. Um, we were having a mastermind with some of his private coaching clients. And um, he asked the question, how many in your, in you, in here are up year over year? And about a quarter of the room was, and these are the rooms of the elite, right? And so it's, it's just not, not everyone is, is having an amazing year. There's struggles that are real in different marketplaces. Um, and, I think the common theme is number one, the people that are up year over year have an amazing leader like yourself. They demonstrate strong leadership and they're running face first into the storm. Too many people try to outrun the storm. The quickest way to get out of the storm is run through it. Yep. Towards it, right? If there's a tornado coming to you, you're not going to outrun it. Run into it. That's your best chance to survive, right? Go through yep. it. Um, and so um, that's coming from Missouri tornado country. So um, <laughs> don't literally run into tornado, right? But you get the point for for illustration. But I also think the other there's two other common themes is leadership is crucial, right? In, in the downturn, but also they're enforcing their standards at a very high level. And they have ramped up accountability like never before. And I think what that goes to show is that is what this marketplace needs is agents and human beings, forget the word agents, but humans, the hardest thing for them to do is change. Yep. And when you have times of change, you either change your activity or you change your result. Which one do you choose? Most people don't want to change the result for the negative. And so you have to change your activity. You have to change your accountability. You have to change the standards that you live by. And that gives you the result that you desire. Any right. of that, you feel like in standards and accountability, has that been ramped up in your marketplace at all in your, in your company? Yeah, it, it has. I mean, we, we knew what was coming. We've, we've known this forecast of, of what's going to happen in our industry and in our local markets. You know, and, and like in our local market, we were we had been a soft market until about two, two and a half years ago. It just became a buyer's, uh, sorry, a seller's market very recently for us. Everybody else has been on the real estate revival. Sure. Um, so, you know, we knew the signs of what was coming, everything, the writing was on the wall. And we started talking beginning of last year saying, this is what's coming down the pike. We've got to start you know, drive, driving our expectations and the standards and enforcing those. And it's like, there's a quote that I, that I shared with the team this morning at our team, uh, team meeting. And it was uh, something along the lines of, uh, you know, the lack of discipline makes things easy today. However, discipline today, or so yeah, the, the lack of discipline makes things easier today, but harder in the future. Yep. Being disciplined and enforcing that today is, is a lot more difficult for today, but it makes the future easier. Yep. And I don't know about you. I, 
I don't mind having some challenges and having some battles, but I want to work smarter, not harder. And part of that means let's embrace it, what we've got now, and let's you know, be prepared and just, you know, like you said, run into the storm. I love that. And um, speaking of team means, I love that that quote on discipline. So true, right? You, that's anything in life, right? You have to suffer yeah. today so you live the life, the rest of your life how you want, right? Like, but you have to put in the work today. Otherwise, yeah. you suffer for a lifetime. And yeah. so I think discipline is a huge part. It's one of our core values as a company. Um, but I talked in our team meeting this morning, I talked about one of my favorite quotes, the man in the arena, right? The man in the arena quote. And too many people are outside of the arena, letting their own insecurities say, well, real estate's not for you. It's a tough market. It's this, it's that. The mainstream media says interest rates, this inventory, that, right? All of this chatter. Um, and my message to my team um, was they're not in the arena. And you have a choice. You can either jump out in the arena and start pointing at the finger that are in the arena that are winning, or you can get in the arena and start fighting and win. Yep. Right. But if you if you exit the arena, there's no coming back. But if you jump into the arena and you are actually taking and embrace this head on, similar to your message of you get to keep that forever. Like the market share, the business that you gain is exponential for the rest of your life because you're willing to stick it out during these tough times. And I think it's just so crucial that everyone's looking for a hack. There is no hack. You have to educate, you have to inform your clients, and you have to work harder than you did when the market was different. Yep. You gotta, and you got to control the narrative. Yes. You, you, can't, you can't let the story be what the news is saying. Like you said, they're outside looking in. Now, does it change any reality of what we're going through? No, but my, my perspective is going to be different than what their perspective is. And I can control what my perspective is and then how I respond to it and not giving that thing, you know, not giving their perspective ownership. You know, we've, we've got to control the six inches between our ears and the 24 inches that we stand on. And by doing that, that allows us to be able to be in a position to be able to move forward rather than operating in defeat. Yep, 100%. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier is control the things that are in your control. It's one of my favorite sayings. Um, I love quotes and sayings. It's just, it, it's easier to remember and you can relate them to so many things in life. And that is control the controllables. Yeah. I can't control inventory to a certain extent. I can't control interest rates. I can't control what this lead is going to say, but I can control how well equipped I am to respond to it, how well I am equipped to educate and inform them, how well I am equipped of the activity that I take with these other leads that are raising their hands, right? Like, why don't I focus on and look in the mirror first? And if I fix myself and fix my actions, the rest of the stuff always works itself out. Where we get in trouble and where we get stuck is we wait on the narrative to be told to us. And we focus on things that are out of our control. Yep. I literally have not watched the news in five years, probably longer, because it, I can't control it. I can't control it. Call me a control freak, but I want to control the outcome of my life and my future for me and my family. Yep. And so I'm focused on the things that I can do to win the day today. Does the outside world have an effect on my life? Sure. But not near as much as what I do or don't do has an effect on my life. Yeah, because because you're not you're not allowing those influences to come in and to change who you are, or what you were set forth to do. It, it's, it's just you know, those are variables outside of the equation. Yeah, there was a time that I went through a you know, some, some things in life. And I had a quote that one of my coaches gave to me and I had it written on my bathroom mirror. And every day I'd say it every single day. And it was focus on the things you can control, not the things that you cannot. Going back to exactly what you said, focus on the things you can control, not the things you cannot. Because it was really, it was really easy to get wrapped up in the emotion of what was going on outside of my control. But I was the one giving, I was allowing that to define me. I was allowing that emotion to, to suck time and energy away from, you know, being a better parent, being a better, you know, spouse and partner, being you know, a better business leader, you know, every, everything, a better person in life, because I was so wrapped up in the emotion of what I couldn't control. Instead of just saying, well, I can't control that, but I can control how I respond to it and how I respond to it's not going to be positive for the outcome of the things that I'm trying to grow in life. I love it, man. I love that mindset. Let's 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 add to that. So let's speak on failure for a little bit. Right. So let's talk about um, you. You made a joke before we started and I kind of mentioned in the intro, but I really want to dive down that rabbit hole. Like you said, hey, let's talk about the 743 ways not to build a team because everyone wants to talk about the accolades and what they're doing. Well, let's tell the people what not to do if they want to grow something, learn from our mistakes. So let's dive into some of those big mistakes that you've made along the way. And, and maybe we can prevent some other people from making the same ones you did. 
Oh, most definitely. You know, and and I, and I said it jokingly, and if, and if I'm completely honest, there's probably more than 743, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, those those experiences and those, you know, those times where I missed the mark helped to make me who I am today as well, because we learned from it. You know, like we had talked earlier before we started, was it, it was, it was a, a speed bump along the way of the path, the journey that we're on. So, you know, it, initially when I first started hiring my team, um, it was literally, hey, you have a pulse, you could have fogged this mirror. I was hiring out of pain. I wasn't hiring to any standards. I was bringing people into our world. And, you know, and, and we, we limped along and we grew. But then we also reached a plateau. And we got kind of got stuck in that plateau, you know, the, 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 that glass ceiling, if you will. And, you know, it going back to some of the books that I've read, you know, they said it's listings, leads, and leverage. Well, the leverage in my world wasn't right. And even though we were winning on the outside, I remember several years ago, our, our highest year in sales previously was 207 sales. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy because nobody had ever done that in our marketplace. I mean, hell, if we're honest, nobody in our marketplace had sold over 100 homes ever. And we we're just shattering all these goals, shattering every record in our marketplace and for the brokers that we were with and everybody's celebrating it. And I'm like, I hate my life. I was 100 and almost 170 of the 207 sales. So, and, and I was supposed to be leading and pouring to my people. And I suppose that I was still doing the books and reconciling the bank statements and, and working on the lead generation. And I was also coaching other individuals. And, and I didn't have enough of me to, you know, I was operating just completely frankly, I was operating in a poverty mindset, even though I'm an abundance person. Personally, I was operating in a poverty mindset because I didn't want to let go. Sure. I didn't want to let go of what I knew that I could that I could do production wise and allow others to grow, which held us back. And I was challenged by one of my mentors and coaches that said, you know, Jim, um, you know, and he called me out. He said, you're operating in a party mindset. And I was like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you are. And then I started thinking about it and we peeled the layers back and I said, yeah, you know what? <laughs> you're right. It's like, you're never going to get to where you want to go. And when you're never going to see the fruition of what God's got over your life until you let go, because you have to be able to empower other people to succeed and to make their own mistakes. And if you do that and you truly let go, it'll grow. So the story that he had, the, the story that he had told me when we were having this conversation, he says, he goes, Jim, you know what a lathe is? And I'm like, yeah, it's the thing that spins wood, right? I was like, my kid's got a game on his phone. He takes a little thing and he make a table leg. He said, now imagine, he's like, I'm going to give you a piece of wood. You know, go out here and go out here behind our house. And I'm going to cut a piece of wood and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to say, okay, this piece of wood was destined by God for greatness to be this beautiful, ornate table leg. And I want you to put it on the lathe and I want you to start working on it. But I want you to hold on to that piece of wood as hard as you can. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And he goes, so what's that going to look like? I'm like, well, it's going to look like crap. But well, why is it going to look like crap? Because I'm not allowing it to, and as soon as I opened my mouth, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I wasn't allowing the wood to spin freely so I could whittle away and make it that refined thing, that refined piece of art. I was holding on to it so it was going to be chunky. It was going to, the blade's going to grab. It was going to end up splitting it and destroying it all together. And sure. I'm like, I don't have a table leg. I got some kindling to start a fire with. <laughs> and, and, and when it hit me, I said, man, I was, he's like, yeah. He's like, that's what you're doing in your business. And I, I took, a, took a breath and I was like, wow, I'm holding on to have that control because like you, I'm a control freak. And I thought that I could control our growth and help us get there because I was like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I had to change my mindset and say, we have to be able to do this. This is our business. We're growing together. So I'm going to empower you to make the mistakes. I'm going to do the things necessary to step out of being all of this production and coach you up to where you can reach what your potential is instead of holding on to it for myself because I was fearful. Yeah. Dude, that's great. That's such a great story. I think a lot of people can relate with that. I think that's that's the messy middle people don't talk about enough, right? Because it's messy as hell. Um, and it's how do you get from a team leader that's most of the time the team leaders on smaller teams or mid-sized teams are also the top producer. At that point, you don't have a business. You don't have leverage. You, you don't are, talk. Yeah, you have a job and you have responsibilities galore. You're probably not making very much profit and you're not growing the people that you want to grow. It's a, it's a sticky spot in the business. 
Um, so someone that maybe is there, this maybe relates to what you just shared. What for you, when you said you weren't letting go, you needed to empower others. What did letting go look like? Like, what was your first step? What did you do to start letting go? So it was, and I'm not going to, I'm going to make it sound easy. Looking back at it retrospective, it's like, oh, well, we did this and everything was great. No, it, 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 there were periods that it sucked. And that was very challenging. Um, you know, so the first thing that I did is I made the commitment to my team that I was going to step out of production, not 100% out of production, but I'm going to take a minimal approach to production. I'm working with personal friends and certain people that are past clients. That's okay. it. And I spent more time with the team, whether it was one-on-one -on -one or in group settings, talking about what was it that I did so they could duplicate and replicate that. You know, salespeople, salespeople get sales. People that are not salespeople are not going to get no matter how much training or effort we put into it. And the ones, the ones that have started to click, they started listening to the little things that I said, the way that I did set up my appointment, even though we had, you know, standardized things that we did, I still kind of did mine a little bit differently. So I just, I took time to pour into them. We kicked back in our, you know, our daily role plays, our daily, you know, you know, role plays on the phone and in person. We went back and we restructured our schedule to where our training events and our team meetings weren't just going to be, you know, time of fluff. But we're going to actually give them nuggets of here's here's something that you can take today that you can implement this one thing and it's going to impact your business. And then you know started inspecting what I expect, which has always been one of my biggest challenges. Yep. Of, you know, saying this is what you need to say on the phone, but never going back and listening to it. But you know, it was it was kind of a combination of all those things that allowed me to take that little bit of a step back. And it was it there were several months that I sat there and thought this is really scary especially when our numbers went down. Yep. Because that's exactly what happened. I started, I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it. I took that step back and our numbers went from being what they were to falling back. And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> you know, th this is this is not, I expected an immediate result. You know, sure. I knew realistically it wasn't going to happen. So from there, that allowed me to take time off of my schedule that was working with clients one-on-one -on -one to work with the people that are helping me to achieve this vision, the people that believe in the vision, more than the clients to the people that their families believe in the, in the vision and pouring into them. You know, and there's countless ways that we did that, but that was the, the first step and the commitment of once we go this direction, there's, there's no real turning back. Yep. You know, we're not going to stop at midstream. We're going to see this through no matter how challenging it gets. So it forced me to be a better leader. I love it. Um, it, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because you do have to go back. You don't have to, but I will say it is very, very rare for people making that transition to not go backwards for a period of time. Right. Um, I go back to my personal journey. Whenever I went out on my own, started my team, I opened two offices at once. I invested $160,000 of my own money to start from absolute zero in two locations. Right. Like um, it was, it was, and also Matt's not going to sell real estate. Right. Like it was, <laughs> let's see what happens. All chips on the yeah. table. Let's see what yeah. happens. And um, no one knew besides me and my wife, but like we lost money month after month after month after month. But we could see the writing on the wall and what was coming. Right. Yeah. We could see a little bit of improvement. We could see a little hope and it was getting a little better and a little better. And then like you, I really feel like if you're someone that's stuck in that messy middle, you have to be willing to endure that pain for a period of time in order to get out of that messy middle. Too many people, yeah. jump, they either don't have a clear plan, they don't have a proper coach, a proper guide, a proper proven playbook to do that, make that move, or they don't give it enough time and stay committed to the plan because it does look ugly for a little bit of time. Oh, it does. Well, and, and it goes back to, to as simple as what's the title of your podcast? It's all or nothing. That's right. There's no, there is no backup plan. There's no plan B. We're going to burn the boats. This is the direction we're going. We're going to march. And, you know, just like, like I jokingly said myself that, you know, I was a piano performance major. I can't go live the life that I live now. I go to play in piano. I could probably go play in a bar and make some tips here and there, but it's not going to, it's not going to allow me to make the impact in people's lives that I was created to make. So right. I don't have a plan B. If it all fails and burns, that's great. I'm going to build it back faster, stronger, and better than it was in the first place. And there's been times, and I'm sure you've probably been those times too, that, there were literally times that we would go through a hard reset, like everybody in the entire organization. Start, we start all, all over. One. 
we just had one. We just had to go to the board hard reset. The first yep. two hours I go to the board was me resetting the entire company. Here's resetting expectations, resetting standards, resetting accountability. This is who we are. And if you don't agree with that, I still love you. You're just not going to be part of where we're going. Yep. I completely understand. You know, and some sometimes we have the resets that come just naturally because yep. we allow, we we allowed things in our environment in our world that we shouldn't have. You know, like I used I remember one of my past coaches said, don't complain about the things that you tolerate, Jim. And I was like, oof, it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? And I'm like, well, we're not going to tolerate it. And I went back in, cleaned house, started over. Well, then some of those bad habits came back and we'd have to do it again. And, you know, and sadly, through my growth of growing, you know, growing our team and our, you know, Griffin Home Group over the last decade, you know, I, I wasn't the leader that I needed to be for a lot of people. I failed a lot and, and I, I probably hurt some people along the way. It wasn't intentional. It was that I wasn't at the place where I needed to be to, to be the person I needed to be for them. So I had to go through those trials and those tribulations and that hurt and the stress and, you know, saying, all right, we're going to burn the boats, just keeping focused on what that, that direction that we're headed, no matter what, at all costs, we're going to go this direction. And there were some casualties along the way. 100%. Yeah, I so I so relate to that. I, I like I feel that one on a personal level for real. Like you, you didn't go on that journey alone. I'll tell you that. There's other people that have went on that journey too, um, and I'm one of them. Um, let's talk about. Let's pivot to. So you said one of the things that you learned through this was to be a better leader. You weren't the leader that they deserved or that you needed to be, and so you worked on your leadership skills. And I think one of the things that people misconstrue is leader is not a title, in my opinion. Right. I think it's a responsibility. And so I'm curious um, if I were to say, what did you learn as a team leader or what is your role as a team leader? What would you say that is? Oh, so what my role is, is you know, some, sometimes it's to be the confidant person okay. they can fight in. Sometimes it's to be the encourager. Sometimes it's to be the, you know, the parent you know, and the accountability person. You know, it, it evolves depending on where that person is. You know, what what my role as the leader has become is to see to see the needs of what the the business has as a whole and what individuals have. And if they're willing to get into the ditch, into the muck and the mess of what they've got going on and they want to get out of it, then I'm going to get in that mess with them. Yep. I'm gonna help them fight to get out. You know, it's one of the other things I've always said is that people will fight for the limitations more than we can fight for their greatness. So the ones that want to get out of that, the ones that want to Dude, change. Say family, that again. Say that again. That's huge. People will fight for their limitations more than we can fight for their greatness. That's gold. And Sorry to interrupt me, but that's good stuff. As leaders, we see the opportunity that people have and the potential that they have. And how many times are we disappointed? that people choose that easier path or they choose not what they were, what they're fully capable of doing. Right. Yep. And sometimes, you know, it, as the leader, we got to say, no, uh -uh. You, you were, you were made for more than this. You need to get up and fight this dust off yourself and let's put on your big boy, big girl pants and let's move forward. Yep. And if they're, if they don't embrace that and, you know, even though it's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, then no matter what we can't, we can't lead them that direction. We can't really help them. Yep. And you know, we we're, we could be there for support, but that's about it. Versus the person that says, "You're right. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go get my unfair share. I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to be a better business person. I'm gonna, I'm going to grow more myself. I'm going to challenge myself." And those people, yeah, I think those people all day long. And during like during our growth, we we got to a point where we're, we're collecting bodies, if you will, even though sure. we didn't want to. It kind of happened naturally versus, you know, we've shifted and gone back to saying, you know, we will hire if, if somebody doesn't have the skill set, that's perfectly fine. If they're hungry and coachable, yep. I don't care what their past is. I don't care if they've, I don't care if they, I mean, honestly, if they've gone to prison or they've gone to jail, they've made it, we've all make, made mistakes, but how did they grow from that? What happened after that? What lessons did they learn from and how are they going to find it moving forward? Because I think, yeah. dude, that's so spot on because- 
too many people put too much pressure on a resume or experience or it. And honestly, that's not what makes it in real estate. Right. And dude, so spot on. So I always tell people there's one common theme that successful real estate agents have each and every one of them. If anyone is in real estate and they have any level of success, they all have one common trait and it's grit. Yep. They're going to get punched in the mouth and get back up and do it again tomorrow. That's what it takes to survive in this business. It's not easy. It's not what you see on TV. It's tough at times. You got to persevere. You got to have grit. You got to have yep. toughness. But there's another thing. If you want to have be successful on a team in real estate, yes, you have to have grit, but you also have to have another personality trait. And I've never seen anyone successful on a team without this character trait. You have to be willing to accept responsibility. If you're not willing to say, here's how I played a part in it, and here's how I can move forward and make it better, and you point the finger, it is never going to work in an organization. You need to go be a single agent because yes. you're never going to be coachable. You're not going to be open. You're not going to be willing for people to help you give constructive criticism, and you're not willing to grow for the leader, for the leadership, for the coaching, for the training that is there to help support you grow. Yep. No, I agree 100%. You know, we 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 phrase it very similarly, but also differently. Is that we we don't do victim language, we don't do nope. victim mentality. It's it's okay to to have a woe is me moment, a moment, but get your crap together and get up and go fight, because right. you you got to get up. You got to have that grit and that determination. And if, and if you truly made the mindset change and the shift in your in your in your head to where it is all or nothing, that there is no other option. That I want to see what I've, what, what the seeds are in my life come to fruition. I want to make the impact in people's lives that at all costs, I'm going to burn it forward and, and you know, burn the boats and move forward and nothing else matters. Yep. What happens along the way, you know, deal with it, but let it happen. Go on, minimize its impact. But yeah, you know, it, it, it is frustrating as a leader. And that was one of the things that I had to make a shift on as well, because I would, I'd hold on to people too long. I call that love in today's marketplace. There's too many people that are loving people out of the business. Oh yeah. Well, I would I would hold on to you know, staff members or agents because I truly did care for them. Yep. I mean, it's, if it's you know tough. me, you know me well enough. I'm not really an emotional person. I'm more of logic and you know no excuses and results. However, my deep core, I do I do care for people. Yep. And it's that frustration of people not wanting to achieve that and you know sometimes i'll hold on to them you know hold on to them too long which then ultimately holds them back from something else that they could be doing and learning from dude it's that is those of you listening that are striving to be a leader there's a leadership there's a leadership master class right there because that is tough that is the toughest thing to do as a leader i totally relate i want to go back to the role of the team leader and so i love what you said everything was accurate I think a, a mindset shift that's relevant for moving from the messy middle to out of production to be a leader, because you can't do both properly, at least for a period of time. You just can't. Um, I would say that's my opinion, but I really believe it's a fact. Um, that's how strongly I feel about it is yep. I just never seen anyone do it successfully. Um, there has to be someone leading people and you can't do both. You can't be a high producer and, lead, and a leader. But I think once you move to that role is your role is no longer, you're no longer in the transaction. Not only did the team. Oh, crap. It's something on my computer. So as a leader, when you make that transition, you are no longer in the transaction business. You are in the human development, human resources business. Your oh, job is to develop and provide and pour into humans and help. You are supposed to wake up every single day. How can I replace myself? Like my philosophy as a team leader, and it's backfired, right? But it's still, it's the right thing to do because like you have a big heart and I want to help people is I want to give everyone all the information and pour into them so much that they can go do this real estate thing without me anywhere in the world. Yep. I want to treat them so good that they choose not to leave. When, when you know, I had, I told you one of the things that we did is we changed our dialogue around the team because out of frustration at times, I would say, I've built this. I've yeah. given up so much. I gave up time with my kids. I gave up time with my family. I gave up time with this, blah, 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 blah. I did this. And really, it, was, it wasn't it was just me giving up stuff. It was all of everybody in my world, the good, the bad, the ugly. They gave up time with their family, too, to help fulfill the vision of what we're doing. 
So we had to change that dialogue around, we are building this. Griffin Home Group is not Jim Griffin. It's all of us. This is our business. This is These are our expenses. So that's why we as a whole expect these standards to follow up because if you don't do it, it doesn't impact just me. It impacts every one of us. And we had to change it to say, you know, if it's not just me, but God, I forgot where I was going with that. I had something else that was like so powerful that, that we say all the time. But anyways, I'll, it'll it'll pop back, back on to you. Um, so, dude, you got my you got my brain going. And so, there's a couple of things. And I said this at our at our um, I called it a coming to Jesus meeting, right? But we had a just a very real, raw, honest conversation about what we are doing moving forward. And we just had a recap of it today at our sales meeting. And I said today's day one, right? We're starting over. And here's here's the resources, and here's the resourcefulness, and we're going to meet in the middle, yep. right? And here's the excuses, and here's the solutions. We're going to meet in the middle. Right. And we're starting over. And so um, I think that one of the statements that is very, very powerful to what you said is we is greater than me. And I think if you, it's so simple, but if everyone in the organization understands that, like one of the things I say all the time is that this thing outgrew me a long time ago. This is not about me. This is yeah. about us. And if you don't take ownership in this organization, in these core values, in this culture, then it is not going to serve you. But if you do, I got this quote from my good friend, coach and mentor, John Cheplak. When the part serves the whole, so the agent serves the team, the team serves the agent back tenfold. So the whole is bigger than the part. The team is bigger than everyone, including myself. It is bigger. We is bigger than me. Yep. When I serve the team, I get back tenfold. Like I do this with relationships, with agents, with coaching clients, with, vendors with anyone this if you live by this principle this just makes so much sense you have to deposit before you can withdraw you have to give before you receive as an example let's use a bank right if you go to the bank and you go withdraw money that's called stealing you did not deposit any money you did not invest any money you did not yep. have any money in the bank and you stole from the bank you go to jail for that how many people come into a culture come into a team come into an environment and steal they come to get, not to give. Yep. What happens every single time? You've seen this over the years, I'm sure, because you're shaking your head. The people that come in willing to give, and they will give the shirt off their back. They want to contribute. They want to help out. They receive the life of their dreams because they're willing to give just to give. And I think that mentality in an environment is so important for culture. And it's so, it sounds like fluffy, right? It sounds unicorn and rainbows, but I've seen it work over and over and over again. Contributors win. Like, like, and and I figured out what I was going to say, and it ties right back into that, which is you went from it had had to be the power of we, right? And like you said, we're not in the real estate business. Yep. Our product is real estate. We are in marketing and coaching business to coach our people to reach their full potential, to help develop them, and to market our product. Either one of us could stop selling real estate today and we go sell school supplies used office furniture, car parts, it doesn't matter because the, the metrics might change a little bit, but we're still going to measure the same metrics. The product, the, the delivery of the product might change, but this, you know, the foundation of everything is still the exact same because sales is sales. But when you make that shift of being, well, we're a real estate company, blah, 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 to where, no, I'm, I'm a marketing company. It's where to market the product, which is people's homes. And I'm here to coach and develop people by being the human resource development person or being the, the coach and coach my people to break through their limiting beliefs and to break through those limitations and the things that other people said over their lives, then that's how you change people. When you're crazy enough to think that you, that you can be a part of that and the people are crazy enough to hop on bandwagon with you, then you know what? You can change people's lives. And that's really what we do is you know, I, I tell the team all the time, we change people's lives, whether it's our clients or it's be our team members, because God brings people into our life for seasons, whether it's a long season, a lifelong season, or a very short thing at the gas pump. Our commitment to ourselves has to be is what kind of impact we're going to give to that person. Yes. And if we if we think of everything that we do from that mindset of I'm here to make an impact, I'm here to pour into people, the organization will take care of itself. It also they they also help to self-govern because they will protect that community and culture that's been developed to where they're not going to allow somebody else to come in that's going to be a taker because they'll be like, you know, that we don't do that here. 
Yes. You might have done that over here, over there, but we don't do that here. And it's just, it, and which then might, if that person's open to it, we'll break that cycle in their life and, you know, make them a better, you know, better parent or a better kid or whatever. 100%. Dude, this is great stuff. So um, I want to hit on a couple of things and I'm going to go to another question. So we talked about the role of a team leader, right? You're no longer in the transaction business. You're in the people business. You got to remember that. Um, I also think there's only one way to lead. And I've done a lot of leadership, a lot of study, and I'm, I'm by no means a great leader. I'm working on it every single day. But I think this philosophy is hard to argue with. The only way to lead people is to be a servant leader by example. I think combining those, we've all heard lead by example. We've all heard servant leadership. But I think those two combined together is the perfect formula for being a leader. As yeah. an example, you gave an example of someone in the trenches, right? They're digging the ditch. As a leader, what do you have to do? Sometimes you got to go and start digging with them. You yep. can't be above them. You can't just point the finger. You got to be by example. You got to be one. You have to realize you serve them. Here's something I do. It sounds small, but it's so big because I do it consciously. There is nobody in my building that ever parks further away from the front door than me. I'm here every day. Those those spots are for them, not for me. Yep. Right. Like those little things make all the difference subconsciously. And you have to be one to be a servant leader. leader. If you want to grow your organization, grow your leadership skills. Just like sales skills are acquired, so is leadership. No one is born a great leader. Those are acquired skills and you can acquire them. And I promise you, you will be there will be skills that no one can ever take from you and your life will forever be better because you're a better leader. Does that make it easy? Nope. No. One of the hardest no. things to do on the planet, but is one of the most important. Um, and there's also something else. And I think you and I relate to this. You said sometimes you struggled as a leader and I still struggle with this is I see potential in people. Like I have a gift of seeing potential. I see what people are capable of partially because of where I came from and they're way more talented than I am. Right. They have way more than I had when I started. And I'm like, whoa, you realize what you could accomplish. And I'm trying to help them accomplish that. But there's a fine line. Yes, we need to be ahead of them and encourage them for growth but they have to want it for themselves. Exactly. Sometimes as a leader, we can want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And that does the exact opposite effect of what we intend. It comes from a great place, but then they feel threatened. They feel talked down to, and that's not what they wanted because they're not in that season of their life. And so yeah. we have to be careful of that as a leader. It's kind of the, I've, I've, the, the dichotomy of leadership, right? I've, I've been in that, you know, that, that bow before one of the most talented individuals I've ever had the had the pleasure of having in my organization um, was the guy who came in and just bam, like the first six weeks had like seven things under contract, bam, 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 bam. And he was growing with the another. And, and then, you know, he had some personal battles that he was going through and some personal things that he didn't, he didn't go through the process of you know, breaking those things over his life over the years. And I, and I always would joke, I was like, you know, we say we could lead a horse to water, but we can't make them drink. Well, I was leading him to water and I was opening up the fire hydrant and taking his face and holding in front of it, like drink, drink, come on. I was like, do you see what, how much potential you have? Cause he was more talented than I've ever been. He, he was, you know, he was you know, stupid, intelligent and willing enough to put forth the work. And I was trying to force it. And at the end of the day, they didn't, he didn't want it as bad as I wanted it. And that's when I learned that quote, people will fight for the limitations more than we can fight for their greatness. Yep. And I had to go, you know, I had to coach him out to another opportunity. And now, now he's ecstatic. He's, you know, making bukus of money, doing something that he loves, being able to connect with people. It just, it wasn't in the world, but if I would have held on to him, I would have brought him of that opportunity. Yep. I love it. Um, a potential coaching moment. Maybe it wouldn't have worked in this example, but I think there's a third option. Those are two options, right? Is you just hold their head under the water or you coach them out. The other option is you coach them up, yep. right? And so there's a middle ground that I think most people deserve an honest conversation. And so as an example, we have standards in our organization. And so if, this is kind of a leadership conversation, right? And so if, if you are working on growing your leadership skills, which all of you listening should be, it's a skill that will serve everyone because everyone is a leader to someone. I don't care what what level you are. You are a leader to someone. I promise you. Um, but anyway, um, while you're coaching them up, there's options that you can give them and just have an honest, frank conversation with them. Hey, Jim, I know that you have these seven sales really quick and I know you're really capable. Dude, there's people that with less skill than you that have sold 100 homes on in a year on this team. I know you can accomplish that, too. But what I don't want to do is force you to do more than you want. So let's have an honest conversation. I'm not going to judge you. 
Jim, what do you want out of this year? Do you want more time? Do you want more money? What does that look like? What is that balance that you need for this season in your life? And have that honest conversation. And if you leave that room with them being honest and sharing, and it still makes sense for your standards of your organization, those are still great assets. Because what I've experienced is if you allow, if you force them to do more than they want, they will leave. If you don't yep. give them the opportunity for the honest conversation, you're coaching them out. But sometimes they're going through a rough spell and then they want to do better. And so as long as that rough spell doesn't last too long and it's openly communicated and they're still somewhat productive and still a contributor to the culture, having that honest conversation could be very beneficial. Bingo. Awesome, man. Um, so let's let's uh, let's go to the next question. It's one of my favorite questions, and I hope you struggle with it um, just because I want to watch you struggle. Um, but what is Jim Griffin's superpower? Oh, gosh. What is my superpower? Um, that is, golly, that is a good, that is a very good question. You know, I don't know if I necessarily have a, some what, what I would consider to be a superpower. What others would possibly say that my superpower is, is one of the things we've already discussed is to see what somebody's potential is. Okay. And, and to work to connect with them, to help them grow and the willingness of, you know, that I'll, I'll push, I'm going to push you. I'm going to challenge you and I'll help you fight for it. But where I really do believe you know, as a sidebar, I don't believe that real estate's my destiny. I believe that I was created for a lot more than that. And, you know, I want to make an impact where I'm at. And if that impact is, you know, helping somebody to grow personally and even the, even the people that I failed as a leader, even the people I failed as a leader through my leadership journey and that I failed this year, even that's okay. Some of them have gone on and gone on to either other things or gone into real estate and they've still built a, built a business. And I was able to make a positive impact in their life during that season. So I would think that people have, would say that my, my superpower is to see the positive where other people don't see and to see the potential where other people don't see. Um, but that's also, that's also a super weakness. Because sometimes, like we said, we hold on to it. Sure, dude, I love it. Um, and I want to, I want to hit on that. Number one, I want to acknowledge you for being the type of leader that it takes a big person to realize that people have either left your organization or you have asked to leave, and you look at it through the lens of look at how much better off they are in their life. Too many people are spiteful and negative and always hold a grudge. Um, I just want to acknowledge you for that and being that type of leader that sees that. Um, it's something that I struggled with in the past and I got over and I literally I've, I've spent hours journaling this and hours just thinking on this one thing. And I can say this with 100% confidence. There is no one that has been in our organization since day one. All the mistakes I made, all the bad leadership stuff, everything that I've screwed up, all of that included. There is no one that has been in our organization for more than a day that has not had a positive impact on their life by the result of being here. They are in a better position, a better mindset, better something in their life because they came into our environment. Yep. And that's pretty amazing feeling to have. Yep. And I, and I would, and I would, you know, I would agree with you on, you know, on that on multiple fronts, because there's people that I've seen come through our organization that have gotten out of, um, you know, horrible relationships that they came from nothing and they thought this is all that God's ever intended for me. This is, these are the cards that I was dealt and it's fine to where now they, they think bigger about life, about their finances, about, you know, whatever they want to do and about being even a better, you know, like I said, being a better husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, what, whatever, or being a better kid and going back to their parents and saying, Hey, look, I was an idiot during this season and I didn't realize it, but, but now I realize it and I want to apologize and be able to grow. But, you know, it, that's being able to see that and be, a, be able to have the opportunity to serve people during that, that everything else falls into place. It's not about the money. It's not about selling the homes. You know, I like I really believe you know, we were put here to change people's lives. Dude, and I might not be on the I might not be on the forefront of like, you know, missions and leading revivals all across the world or whatever. But I'm making a difference where I'm at today. Good, bad and ugly. Yep. And you know, we'll miss it. And that's cool. Let's miss it. Let's mess up. Let's fail. Let's fail miserably and get up, dust ourselves off and say, well, that was fun. 
won't do that one again and yeah. then keep on going and that that lesson that lesson serves you forever those those failures um dude let's go tactical for a little bit and then we got to wrap up so um I think I remember you saying that you were a high D, high C personality. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I, it's a curse. Well, it you I've never met another one until I just now found that out from you. So I am the same. Um, and so I'm a 99 D and I'm a very, very high C as well. And so um, with that, I'd be willing to bet two of your strengths in the business are lead generation and knowing how to find gaps and improvements in numbers. Yep. So. Let's dive into that. Let's dive into those. What are, how have those served you in your growth? How do you coach your agents through those things? If someone is listening to this, let's give them some value with your unique personality type and your experience, your failures. Um, let's talk lead generation and the importance of knowing your numbers. Why is that important? Well, if, if you don't, first off, you don't know your numbers, to, you don't have a roadmap. It's like complaining about the end of the year. I don't know where all my money went. Well, that's because you don't operate the budget. Your money went where it was going to go by default. So if you're telling them where it's going to go, it's the same thing with our time. So, you know, we measure, I measure a multitude of numbers, um, you know, everything from the standard of how many conversations does it, how many dollars it take to have a conversation? How many conversations does it take to an appointment set, to an appointment met, to a buyer or a listing sign, to a closing? And even if you don't have those numbers for yourself, you can go look and see, you know, if you haven't tracked it, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to track all this stuff right now, go back and just say, okay, what are the industry averages? So if I know that these are the industry averages, you work yourself backwards. You can reverse engineer these numbers. I want to make X number of dollars a year. I get paid X number of dollars per transaction. So I need to have 45 transactions to meet my commitment for my annual commitment for my income for my family. Okay, well, how many people do I have to sign as a listing or as a buyer? That's going to equal that close sale. Okay, how many people do I have to meet with? And then how many people do I have to talk to all the way back? And once you have that roadmap in front of you, when you know, you have the the time that you know you're you're getting ahead of the game and you know, you're getting the results, you say, "Oh, well, I can take my foot off the gas pedal." If you look back at your map and you see, but I have to talk to eleven point three people a day, five days a week. So I've got to talk to eleven people a day every day, and you haven't done that in a couple of days. You know that you're going to hit a detour yep. later on down the road. So when we're having that conversation with with our team members, and this is another thing that I screwed up quite bad. Is I'd be like, they're like, well, this is this is what you would accomplish. You need to do this many and this 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 and this. Well, there was no buy-in from them because it was my goal and you know yep. my commitment for them. They had no skin in the game. Versus someone that says, I want to sell thirty homes because thirty homes means this to my family. I can take my kids to Universal Studios, or I can take my kids to the beach, or whatever. Save for college, pay off my car. When we know those things, we sit down and say, all right, so let's talk about. You know, which results have been this week? What's worked? What hasn't worked? All right. Your commitments for this week were A, B, and C. You hit two of these. Great job. Let's talk about what got in the way for number three. How can we stop that to not happen again? You're very similar to your accountability conversations that you guys probably have. Yep. And we create those, those pattern interrupts to where they establish new patterns and overcome the things and obstacles that were in their way. But, you know, we track everything from, you know, on, on activities and conversations and yada, yada, yada to what's happening in the marketplace and what's returning on our investment. And there's, there's been times that, you know, we've seen that because we've done, you know, radio, a lot of radio, we've done a lot of TV over the years and we'll see, okay, well, this station isn't, we'll be like, okay, well, this station isn't converting. We're going to cut it. And we about made that mistake one day as Leanne and I were driving down the road to Nashville. It's like, I'm going to cut this country music station. It's not working. Well, then I, and I wasn't tracking all of the numbers at that point, but we went back and we went back as far as we could. Well, it was creating the opportunities. We just weren't converting. Yeah. Man. And we about built a great lead source because we weren't converting it at the rate that it was. Yep. And you know, when you have, when you have, I always say that awareness brings clarity and clarity brings change. So if I have awareness of the numbers in my business and I can become clear around those numbers, then I can change as I need to. Just like right now, it's a little bit more difficult for people to get in front of sellers. Yep. It's a little bit more difficult to, you have to work with, you have to carry buyers a little bit longer too, I bet. So your, your dialogue has to change. Your numbers and metrics have had to increase because the end goal, you know, the end commitment and goal that you made for the year does not change. 
you have to change your actions and your activities at the forefront. Well, I think it's, I think some people think they have a choice, Jim. They think that, well, I, I you know, I want to keep my goal, but I don't need to change my activity. One of the two has to change. Yeah. You either change your goal or you change your you change your goal to decrease it or you change your activity to increase to keep the goal. Like, yep. And here's something that I coach people to all the time. Not making a choice is still making a freaking choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you don't make a choice, that doesn't mean the choice disappears. You made a choice. And by default, in that situation, if you don't make the choice or the commitment is way more powerful than a choice, if you don't make the commitment to up your activity, then you made the choice to lower your goal. Yep. And like having that realization for agents are like, no, I didn't. I'm like, that's exactly what you did. That's exactly what you did. like by not making a choice. This is the choice that you made. When, and they usually don't think about what what's later on down the road because yes. because they're not looking at that roadmap. If we have a roadmap and I say, okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna go from Johnson City to where you're at. I know I need to go. I need to go over here. Got an Interstate 75. Go up here, hang a left, and keep on going. You know, same thing if you're coming here. But if I get halfway on Interstate 75, I say, oh well, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna detour. I'm gonna take this road. I think this is the direction I need to go. And I go down that route, it's not going to help me. Up. I can still get to my end result, but now it's going to require more because I chose to not follow the, the, the roadmap in front of me. And, and if, you know, as you see that the conversions are changing, as the, the consumer's changing, just like where with some of the marketing that we've done, you know, radio always killed it for us historically. Radio still kills it for us, and we're blessed because of it. However, People aren't coming through saying, hey, I heard about Jim G guarantee. I'm calling about your guaranteed sale. Or I'm calling about your word for your listing pro. They're not calling and saying that. They're doing something else. They're going, hey, Siri, Jim G guarantee. And then they're, oh, here goes Siri. Oh, she's going to start talking to us now. But, yeah, but they, Okay. I found this on the web for Jim G guarantee. <laughs> I love That's it. That's what happens. So now they're coming as an incoming phone call through Google local services or through our business listing or through you know, another, another thing when we have to dig back to say, okay, what's the true source of this? Sure. Or on the surface, we would say, oh, well, this source isn't working, but it really is because it's feeding it. The consumer changed. The consumer changed. Yes. And if you're not aware of your numbers, you'll never know. Dude, I love it. And I think um, so many people undervalue the power of numbers. And maybe this is my C personality talking, but if you don't, you set a roadmap. I say math is the path. If you don't track your numbers, I cannot coach or train you, period. I am handcuffed. You are on my team. You want me to help you? I want to help you. I will give you the shirt off my back. But I am playing a guessing game if we don't have data for yep. me to analyze and improve. Because I'm just guessing you went down this side road and this side road instead of taking this interstate. Because you feel like this is the problem. Like your feelings get you in trouble in this business, right? You need to know your actual numbers. And if you can, here's what I have built. And I, it sounds like you have too, is I have built a proven playbook to accomplish your goals. There, there is zero. Let me say this again. Maybe I'll be proven wrong one day, but it's a hundred percent success rate. If they follow the roadmap that we have laid out, they have accomplished or exceeded their goal each and every time. Yeah. It's a proven process. I, you, Everyone says you can't have a predictable business in real estate. I call bullshit. Yeah. You can't. No, you the people that say that don't track their, track their numbers. Right. You got to track what you do. You got to work on purpose, not on accident. You got to be proactive, not just reactive. The math is the path. So if you have someone, if you're listening to this and there's someone that you're coaching with, there's someone, a team leader that you have, there's someone that's trying to coach and guide you to improve your business. Don't handcuff them. Realize that math is the path. And there are so many systems, so much technology now that everything you do can be tracked automatically. So like, it's not like you have to manually track it. If, if all else fails and you don't have that, reach out to me. I'll give you a copy of our daily tracker for you to track the shit on. But you have to track your numbers and you have to input in the system where someone can help coach and train you. Otherwise, you are just guessing and so are they. Yep. And without the numbers, one of the other, going back to quotes, because I could use, I love quotes, like you said. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And I don't say that from like numbers don't lie. Look at how much business no, numbers don't lie because you can say you did this, but if it's not tracked and you can't prove it, then we can't predict your outcome. And if you do these things, the outcome will be X yep. every time. 
You do more of these things, it's going to be X to the third power or fourth power. You're going to, it's going to be an exponential increase. You don't do these things, and you're not going to, you're going to X minus all these other things. Yep. But it is what it is. But yeah, that is the path, path man. I love it. Um, dude, you mentioned industry averages. And so um, if someone is listening and they're like, well, where the hell do I find those? Do you have a good resource to send them to to go find those? Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of resources you know all over the place. Um, one of the resources that I've had that kind of outlined in a worksheet for us, and Matt, I'd be glad to send this to you. Probably already have a copy of it, but it's like, you know, buyers, but you from buyers appointment set, you know, appointment met rather to people that are signed with you is roughly about 80%. And then the people that you're gonna buyers are gonna be from 80% to 60% closed. Listings are reversed. You're going to be about 60% industry average of buyer, you know, listing appointment to listing appointment to listing taken, and then you know, 80% sold. Those and it's right around in those general general numbers. It roughly equates to about you know three appointments for every one piece of business okay. if you average it out across the board. Um, but you know, there's tons of resources that are out there to be able to see what the numbers are. And if you are in a market, you're like, well, nobody in my market tracks their stuff. Well, there's ways that we can figure out exactly what those ratios are. Like I said, there's there's no excuse not to have it, yep. even if it's on a piece of paper. Yep, 100%. Awesome. Um, all right. I got to wrap this up for time. I got one more question. What is the best advice that you have ever been given? Ooh. In life, whatever comes to you, I got to left it open on for a reason. So this is one thing that we've beat into our children, and that my grandmother beat into me. The most precious thing in life that you have is time. You can never buy more. You can't earn more. So every day, do what you have to do to make an impact. Live your day to the fullest. Because you, you can't get it back. The second one, and this one comes deep from the archives, and I, I don't think about it enough. But sometimes the greatest distractions show up as opportunities. Dude, it's good stuff. Because we might see something, we might be presented at something like, at one point in time, my business, I was, I was given an opportunity to do something else as a side gig. And I was like, oh, this is huge. We can do this. Well, yep. But guess what it did? It distracted me from being the leader that I needed to be to get us where we could be. And it held myself and everybody else in my world back. But it looked like a great opportunity. And it was a great opportunity, but it was a big distraction. Yep. It was the wrong time. Um, yep. That's huge. I've, I did, I've learned that many times, right? Um, and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and learned lots of lessons. Um, so I think that comes from the world that we live in. You see all of these Instagram entrepreneurs, you see all these fake gurus and people that are selling you an online course, on how to be a millionaire. And the only reason they're millionaires because they're selling the course. They never yeah. really built anything. Right. Um, and they, they're in front of a Lamborghini in a nice house. That's not even theirs for their pick, you know, those people. And um, it just drives me insane. And there there's all these memes, all these quotes, the average millionaire have seven has seven streams of income. Yes, they do. Once they may become a millionaire on one. And once they sustain it and create leverage on one thing. Yep. People that truly build wealth and build sustainability in their life do it on one thing. And most of them vertically integrate on that one thing. And they keep the focus because we have we only have so much focus as humans. And distraction will get you beat every single time. And so there's a difference in finding an opportunity and keeping focus on your goal. And I think finding that fine line is a, is a dance sometimes that we struggle with as entrepreneurs. And so I love that quote. Can you say it one more time? Sometimes the greatest the greatest distractions, basically, yeah. Sometimes the greatest distractions show up as opportunities. Yeah. There was, a, there was another quote that one of my previous coaches, Tony DeSello, had said to me several, several years ago. And he said, it was just, it was just, it was just a question that he would ask. It was a question that I would ask my team members and my coaching clients. I'd be like, what's the one thing that you can do that by doing that one thing will make everything else easier or unnecessary? What's that one thing? 
Instead of chasing all the shiny objects, instead of chasing, I have to have this software. I got to have the CRM. I got to do this. I got to have this coach. I got to have it. What's the one thing that you can do today? The one singular thing that you can do today that'll make everything else easier or unnecessary. And then do that one thing. The yep. rest of it will work out. Don't get stuck in the shiny object. You know, like all of us do, we go to real estate conference. I got to have this new system. I got to have this. I got to track my number. No, no, one thing, one thing. Do that. Do it with excellence. Do it with excellence. Become a master at it. Do it to where it just becomes second nature. And then once you do that, then you can add other things. Yep. 100%. Dude, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to this. I got a whole page of notes and quotes. And um, dude, it's always great seeing with seeing you and, and hanging out. Hope to see you and Leanne soon. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'll be in Nashville on Friday for the race. What race? Oh, NASCAR? Do you like NASCAR? So a lender's taking me um, on this private jet to go out there. So I couldn't say no. I don't blame you. Um, yeah. If you like NASCAR, Bristol Motor Speedway is 20 minutes from my house. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do that sometime, man. Um, but anyway, I always enjoy hanging out with you and Leanne. It's always a great time. And dude, this was a lot of value, a lot of gold. And um, anything else you want to leave with the people? Any other value you want to add? Not that I can think off the top of my head, man. I, I appreciate you, dude. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you all again. And um, which I'll see you at ESPCon for sure. For sure, man. Um, feeling is mutual. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, check out Jim. He's got some great content. He came here as the kindness kindness of his heart to share value with, with you guys today. And I know um, the value I got, I know you guys got value from it too. So um, all that I ask is this is a movement. This is a way for me to give back to the industry. And so if you found value from this episode, just share it with a friend. I know you guys, I see you sharing. Our downloads are increasing week after week after week. So I appreciate you. Keep sharing it. If you got value, send it to a friend and let's make this industry better together. Thanks, guys. 